Welcome to Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a radio ministry of the Institute for Creation Research. In this program, we want to encourage you in your Christian faith by showing how scientific evidence supports the Bible, particularly the Genesis account. The book of Genesis lays the foundation for all matters addressed in the rest of the Bible. The nature of God, His sovereignty in creation, man's purpose, sin, marriage, family, and why we need a Savior are all introduced and explained in Genesis. When we see that the first and most foundational book of the Bible can be trusted in all matters, including science, it builds confidence in the rest of the inspired Word all the way to Revelation. On today's show, we'll get to hear from Brian Thomas, science writer with the Institute for Creation Research. Here's Brian Thomas. Where did dinosaurs come from? Could God have created dinosaurs? Now, that's not at all what I was taught. Growing up, I was taught that dinosaurs evolved, that natural processes, basically natural selection, death of the unfit over millions of years, transformed gradually one feature at a time, step by step, some unknown reptile into the first dinosaur. And then that process supposedly continued. How does that origin story compare with the fossils? How does the idea that God created dinosaurs compare with the fossils? I began thinking about this question and going to museums looking at the fossils, and even going on dinosaur digs, looking at what the fossils look like in the field. And I'm comparing these two models with the actual fossils to try to figure out which model best explains where dinosaurs came from. And I thought to myself, well, if natural selection over millions of years crafted dinosaurs, then I should see a gradual change in a certain trait. I should see bones getting shorter or getting longer or changing shape from one basic kind of dinosaur into another. On the other hand, if God created dinosaurs, especially if he created them according to the way he said he created creatures in Genesis chapter 1, in which he said 10 times over and over, he created these creatures to reproduce after their own kind, then God would have created dinosaurs according to separate dinosaur kinds each kind having a distinct and basic body plan, body shape, then I would expect to find either this kind of dinosaur or that kind of dinosaur in the fossils. And I wouldn't expect to see transitions in between these different kinds. But if evolution explains where dinosaurs came from, then we'd expect to find most fossils should be transitioning or morphing from one basic kind into another. So as I looked at these specimens on display at the museums, I'm looking for features or hallmarks that might indicate to me which origins scenario best explains what we actually see. And boy, did I come up with a crystal clear answer. When I started to notice design features that characterize each of the basic kinds, the question was answered securely for me. God created dinosaurs. There's no other way that I can imagine reasonably for so large a constellation of so specific a collection of features to combine in one place as I see them in certain dinosaur specimens. I remember going to the Carnegie Museum not long ago again to look at their Diplodocus in the fossil section on display. And one feature that really stood out to me after I started thinking about it and noticing it is 
the vertebrae, these bones that make up the neck, the long neck and the long tail, these bones are not at all like the thick, solid, brick-like vertebrae that I see in hadrosaurs or even T-Rex or many dinosaurs. No, the sauropod or or the four-legged, long-necked dinosaurs, their vertebrae were filled with holes, gaps. They looked like they were engineered, like um, any other kind of lightweight machine, like an airplane with hollow wings and hollow spaces inside the plane, and but with also reinforced sections where stress can be dealt with. Everything looks like it was adequately planned and laid out. For example, I, I was there and I was looking at these vertebrae and I was noticing the raised ridges on each vertebrae and the hollowed out spaces. And I thought that's, that's a clever way to get a long 30 foot long neck to be mobile. And it's anchored at one end. Lots of engineering challenges had to have been overcome all at once in order for this sauropod to even exist. For example, its head. Can you imagine a large T-Rex head on the end of a diplodocus body? It just wouldn't work at all. The head would be too big and heavy. That's not what God did. He outfitted the diplodocus head to fit with its neck and to integrate with its whole body. So it had a small head, weight-saving features. Just an incredible array of design features that enabled this creature to live, walk, move, breathe, and do all the life activities that it did and there's no transition up to it. It just occurs in the fossils, fully formed all at once, just like it was created. When we return, we'll hear some final words from Brian Thomas. Stay with us. What happened to the dinosaurs? Are monkeys and people the same? Why do we live on Earth and not some other planet? Kids have some great questions about God's creation, but do you have the answers for them? At the Institute for Creation Research, our scientists and Bible scholars have produced The Guide to Creation Basics. This book contains full-colored images and fascinating commentary from experts in biology, geology, astronomy, and biblical study. Guide to Creation Basics can help teach your children how the animals could fit on Noah's Ark, how dinosaurs and humans could live at the same time, and how God's power and wisdom can be seen in something as small as a single cell. Find basic answers to your child's biggest creation questions. Order your copy of Guide to Creation Basics from the Institute for Creation Research by calling 800-628-7640 or visiting www.icr.org. Welcome back to Science, Scripture, and Salvation. Here's Brian Thomas. We are considering the question of where dinosaurs came from, and they do show evidence of design. I mean, lots of evidence. They look like someone crafted them and put each bone in place, based on what we know of dinosaurs from their fossils. One of the most clever and stunning examples of design in a dinosaur fossil that I know of, I heard about it from a science meeting I was attending where an anatomist turned his attention over to the sauropod dinosaur brachiosaur type. Now, the brachiosaur sauropods were taller in the front than they were over the hips, and they had extremely long necks. This professor was examining one, which had died upside down. He was noticing on the brachiosaur neck 
these structures called cervical ribs. Now, cervical ribs are amazing, and they're not what you think of when you think of ribs that cover, you know, the rib cage, not those ribs. These ribs are cervical, which means neck. So he had ribs along his neck. Each rib was anchored to a vertebra and extended over that vertebra plus the neighbor vertebra. Well, why would a long-necked creature benefit from cervical ribs, from these support struts? First of all, they were made of mostly cartilage, so not hard and crusty bone, so that as the creature turned its neck or bent its neck or arched its neck, the cervical ribs would flex and bend without breaking. Perfect construction material for this kind of design. But why cervical ribs at all? The reason comes from considering the physics and the dynamics of a long pole anchored at one end. You're trying as an engineer to stabilize the most distant end of that pole. But every pole has an oscillation. Every pole wiggles with a specific frequency. And dinosaur necks would have done that too. So you can imagine his neck as a pole anchored at one end, that is anchored on his body, but then his small head and small mouth out at the other end of his body, and he reaches his mouth out to take a bite of a leaf that's on a tree. Maybe it's a 20-foot tall or a 40-foot tall branch. And he opens his mouth, and he's approaching the leaf, and due to oscillation in his neck, every time he tries to clamp down on that leaf, his neck wiggles just a little bit out of place, and he just keeps biting air. Well, this isn't going to last long because the creature can't eat, and he can't grow, and he can't live if he can't eat. So did God leave the brachiosaur in a lurch? No, he supplied cervical ribs, and they stabilized the neck. How do we know that the cervical ribs stabilize the neck? Because detailed studies show like a guitar string that oscillates at a certain frequency, it bends in specific places based on the overall length of the neck. But the cervical ribs were out of sync with those oscillation points. They were out of sync so that the cervical ribs absorbed the wobble. What this means is the brachiosaur dinosaur could have reached out with its mouth, and even if it takes a step and the base of its neck wiggles and wobbles, Nevertheless, way out at the end of that neck, it's still stable. And he reaches out with his mouth and he grabs the leaf with security and precision and strength. He has everything he needs. It's all in place in the sauropod neck, especially with these cervical ribs and the brachiosaurs. Just amazing design. When I think about design in dinosaurs, I can't help but think about their eggs I mean, just to design, for a human engineer to design any kind of device that can reproduce itself. I mean, imagine crafting a computer that makes more copies of itself. This is just, this is a design feat that is absolutely unparalleled, and it may even be impossible for humans to even do. But creatures do it. Dinosaurs did it. They were able to lay eggs. little copy of a dinosaur is able to hatch from that egg and grow and make more copies of itself again for a new generation. Now that is unparalleled design, and the design credit should not go to nature. Nature doesn't design things, but the credit should go to the creator who made all things. 
and who was actually smart enough to design creatures with features that were brilliant. Putting it all together now, we can actually learn qualities about the creator through looking at that which he has made. It's very similar to looking at a painting. You can look at a painting and tell if that painter, for example, paid attention to detail or had an appreciation for variety. When we look at dinosaur fossils, we see this incredible anatomy that teaches us that God the Creator did pay attention to detail and certainly loved variety. Thank you for joining us on Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a radio ministry of the Institute for Creation Research. That's all the time we have for our program today, but we would love to connect with you through our website at icr.org. For over 45 years, ICR has equipped believers with evidence of the Bible's accuracy and authority by showing how science supports the Genesis creation account. Our scientists research the evidence for creation and communicate their findings through books, articles, DVD series, and conferences. Please visit our website at icr.org for more information about the latest scientific discoveries, to subscribe to our free magazine and devotional, and to locate our next creation conference at a venue near you. All of this and more at icr.org. If you've enjoyed this podcast, subscribe to Science, Scripture, and Salvation on iTunes. Also, do us a favor and rate and review the show so that more listeners can find us. Thanks for listening, and God bless.